Discover the ins and outs of the oil and gas industry right now with Roy Holly and Kim Bolato in the Oil Patch on News Talk 550 KTSA. Brought to you by Shale Magazine and Steer. Welcome to our show. I'm Roy Holly. This is In the Oil Patch, show presented by Steer, South Texas Energy and Economic Roundtable. And with me this evening are a lot of special guests, but to explain all who those people are and the publisher and CEO of the Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine, Here's Kim Bellato. Kim, welcome to the show. What's going on? Thank you, Roy. Well, we have a lot going on. Um, we do have two very, very special guests this evening. We have Commissioner David Porter, the Railroad Commissioner, one of the Railroad Commissioners of Texas. And we also have Haley Curry, who is with Steer, which is our main sponsor of the show. And tonight we're really going to discuss quite a few things that involve Steer as well as the Railroad Commissioner. All right. Well, before we get any further, let's talk to Haley Curry about what she does for Steer and a little bit about her life. Haley, where do you hail from? Well, I grew up in Austin, born in Houston. Lived in San Antonio for a tick in between, but been all around. I'm a Red Raider. Went to Texas Tech to study communications. And as I say, your background is communications. My background is in communications. Now, did you know how to talk and communicate before you took all these courses, well, or did you learn since that? Since I was that? born. <laughs> That's true. Probably. Uh, it's really true. Yeah, they don't know how to be keep me quiet. So, uh, I come from a rather uh, large. Kim family. says she says so. You're gonna like Haley. She's bubbly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I'll take it. She I is. Don't know. Yes, that's a compliment though. Yeah. Because she know I she knows I like bubbly. Yeah. Well, tell us about what you do for Steer. Now you guys sure. have a, a lot of responsibility. You do a lot of very important things, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Steer again. We've had that explanation before from some others, but let's hear yours. And what is it you do? Okay. So Steer stands for the South Texas Energy and Economic Roundtable. Very long. Just Steer. That's all we're going to be from here on out. But it's an oil and gas trade association, and it's a group of EMP companies, the largest ones drilling in South Texas. EMP is exploration and production. They're mm-hmm. the ones who are drilling the holes and producing the oil and gas. And so it's made up of our board is the largest companies that are exploring in South Texas and the Eagleford. We also have other larger service companies and other equipment companies, ports and things of that sort. And what we do is we're just a conduit for communication between industry and the local people and local officials in South Texas. And I know, Haley, in working with Steer for probably close to two years now, you're extremely busy. Well, Steer is extremely busy in South Texas. So let's, what are you specifically doing in Steer and what is your role? You know, my role as vice president, I run all of our external affairs, so anything outside of our internal efforts. So media relations, interviews like this, or going out and doing speaking engagements for Rotary Clubs. Anybody who would like us to come and educate them on our industry, we're there. One of the big things I'm doing this year with our Stakeholder Relations Committee is rolling out our education. We have an oil and gas education booklet that our companies have come together and designed, and we're going to go into the middle school and high schools in South Texas and get this little icebreaker with these kids to let them know you don't have to be on the rig. You can be on all these different careers that are needed. I mean, I'm in communications and explaining to them, you know, I worked at the National Women's History Museum. Then I went into oil and gas, and now I'm doing this for today. I didn't come from a rig background, but I'm doing it, and I'm working in the oil and gas business. If you graduate from high school, you can too. So that's mainly what we're working on this year. If people are listening right now, and if I understand you correctly, you're kind of, you have you kind of handle the outreach program for STEER. Yes, sir. So if people 
any kind of a club organization would like to have you come speak, Let us know. it would be appropriate for us to give you your phone number out of our website where they can get in contact. Sure. With you. I'll give an email address that yeah, might be great. the best. Our website is www.steer.com, S-T-E-E-R, and you can email us at info at steer.com. That will get straight to my email. and right. we'll and Give it to us one more time. Info, I-N-F-O, at steer.com. Okay. Well, let's get back to Kim. Kim, let's talk a little bit about Shell Oil and Gas Business Magazine, a little bit about what that is. There may be some folks that are listening and that have never heard of your magazine. I'm sure that's very few people, but just in case, let's bring them up to speed on what your magazine is and what it does and, and who it was designed for. Very much like STEER, our publication is geared at education and supporting information on oil and gas. Probably a little bit different is more to a business sector and individuals, sometimes elected officials, really anyone who has the desire to learn more about what's going on in oil and gas, we are here to service them. So our publication, who that is now statewide, Shell Oil and Gas Business That's Magazine. exciting, isn't it? It is. We just accomplished that probably about two issues back. Our job is to really cover things that are occurring in the industry all over the state, really great and positive things that are occurring. And it could be anywhere from helping the community understand jobs that might be available, new technology that's emerging, policy information. So basically our regular contributors help our readers get up to speed on what's happening. You know, I've read it several times, different things. What I was impressed about is a lot of the good general information. is it's, It's certainly about oil and gas, but you have some great usable information for people in the industry that they can use on a personal level? I think there's two different ways of looking at industry. If you're from industry, and industry is an extremely oil and gas complicated topic, and and the whole industry itself is extremely complicated, if you're in that industry and you have that education and that degree and that background, you understand all of the terminology that they use. But if you're somebody like us of the community, it's very hard for us to sometimes understand what they're discussing. So what Shell does very well is breaks down and communicates with the general public on things that make a difference to all of us. And we look at it more from a community perspective than from an industry perspective as far as with a lot of terminology that most general layman people would not quite understand. Is there any, anything special that's coming up in the magazine that you think people would be interested in? Yeah. Well, we just you finished. You might tease them a little bit. We, yeah, we just finished up with Nate. Our team was out there. It was a greatly well-attended show that happened in Houston, and we are getting ready for next week the Mexico Shell Play happening in San Antonio. So we look forward to being on the river walk and heading that up and having a group out there getting to know and working with uh, vendors and uh, attendees and getting the word out on what Shell is and what we're doing. If you're just now joining us, welcome. You are listening to In the Oil Patch. It's a program that is sponsored by South Texas Energy and Economic Roundtable, or STEER. And our guest today is the publisher and CEO and co-host of the show, Kim Bellato. And I finally got that name right, huh? That's Bilotto? right. That's I did. right. I had to practice. And we've got a very special guest coming up in the wings here. And uh, we want to bring him on right now, Commissioner of the Texas Railroad Commission, David Porter. Commissioner Porter, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we're honored for you to be here. If there was anybody that would be an important person to have on this show, it would be you. And so we're glad to have you here. We'd like to know a little bit about your background and where you grew up and how did you 
come about in, uh, getting on the Texas Railroad Commission? Was this something someone did to you while you were in at this meeting, or was this something was an ambition of yours? How did that work out? <laughs> I've gotten in some things before with people. I wasn't at the meeting, and they said, oh, by the way, Roy, you're this. I was like, well, wait a minute. I, I wasn't there. And they said, well, you didn't have to be. We voted you in. Well, I would like to blame it on someone else, but I did it to myself. You asked for this, okay. You, this is on record, folks. Well, he said he asked for it. So tell us about your background. I moved to Texas in 1981, shortly after college. My wife and I moved, moved to Midland, Texas, and we lived in Midland basically for 30 years after that point in time. I'm a CPA by profession. After a short stint in the service industry as an accountant, I went back into public accounting and had a CPA firm in Midland for 29-plus years. Mm-hmm. And as anyone who knows West Texas knows Permian Basin knows Midland, if you're in business in Midland, you're in the oil and gas business. Uh, 80 90% of my clients were royalty owners, service companies, oil and gas operators and producers. So I got to be very conversant with the business from that viewpoint. So you have a good background in it. Yeah. I also had a small company where I bought some non-op working interest in royalties, bought and sold. So I worked, which I sold before I got on the commission, but I certainly have a background in the oil and gas business from both of those endeavors. When you decided to get on the commission, was there something that was an issue or issues that uh, you felt weren't being addressed? Is that one of the motivating factors? Yes, it was. Back in the, well, I, I was actually ran and was elected 2010, started January of 2011. But 2008, 2009, a lot of things were going on, both nationally with the EPA, with the federal administration, and then here in Texas with what was going on with the Barnett Shale, I felt that there was a lot of concern, even in the state of Texas, among our citizens that didn't understand exactly how the oil and gas business was regulated in the state of Texas and that there was a commission that was elected by the voters that had a lot of control, a lot of authority in this area, kind of the incorrect message that was getting out at the time basically through the media and through some of the environmentalist activists in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, specifically in the Barnett Shale, was that Nobody was regulating the oil and gas business. They were out there doing whatever they wanted, which, of course, is totally untrue. But I felt that perception was out there and something needed to be done about it, and that's what motivated me to run for the Railroad Commission. I think there's three commissioners. Yes, there there are three commissioners. We're all elected statewide. They're six-year terms, so it's basically every two years, one's up. They're staggered terms. And and briefly, if you would, explain to us, even though there's many people out there that are listening to our show that know what you do, but maybe for the uninitiated, just give us a brief description of what are the responsibilities for the Railroad Commission and why is it so important? The Railroad Commission of Texas is basically the energy a regulatory agency. We regulate the oil and gas business from the production side of things. We also regulate pipelines, 
the natural gas distribution companies. We are the ultimate regulatory authority on that for the state. Also, if you're in the propane industry, we're the ones that regulate that, as well as some of the natural gas, the alternative natural gas fuels. And another one of the big big things that we do that most people don't realize is we regulate the coal mining industry in the state mm, of that's Texas. That's true. I didn't know that. Uh, there's roughly 20 coal mines active in the state of Texas. Most of it's located right next to a power plant where a lot of our power is generated, electricity. And there's roughly 10,000 Texans that work in the coal industry. People don't realize that Texas is the... Depending on which year, we flip back and forth with Indiana between the fifth and sixth largest producer of coal in in the nation. I know it's a stupid question, but I've always wondered. The Railroad Commission regulates all all the energy industries, but it's called the Railroad Commission. How did you get that name? When the commission was originally established in 1891, its basic duty was regulating the rates on the railroads. Okay. Freight for the farmers and ranchers of Texas at that time was probably one of the most important economic foundation backbone of the state of Texas, so it was extremely important to the state. So they said, we want to regulate it. And they wanted to regulate it, and that's what the Railroad Commission was started it for. It grew from there. And we also, for a long time, regulated trucking rates throughout mm-hmm. the state. 1917, they decided they needed to regulate pipelines, so pipelines were put in the Railroad Commission's purview. Very shortly after that, oil and gas production was put in the regulation. Because so after 1970, it, oil and gas was nothing before that, and all of a sudden it became a big deal in Texas. And so it, yes, it, it, you know, Spindletop and what happened in the 20s right. with the Burke Burnett field and a lot of other fields, and then the East Texas field, it's became and has remained a major business. Well, we got we got some other questions we want to ask you and talk to you about, and, it's, again, it's great to have you here. If you're just now joining us, uh, you're listening to David Porter uh, talk, and he's the commissioner of Texas Railroad Commission, and our show is called In the Oil Patch. It's presented by South Texas Energy and Economic Roundtable, or STEER, and we have a question or a comment from Kim Bellato, who's the publisher and CEO of Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine. Kim. Well, Commissioner, I know we at Shell Magazine are a very big fan of what the railroad commissioners are doing and how you regulate and how it is even keel and how you look at regulating for the community safety and environment as well as for oil and gas. And one of the initiatives that you really are very big on is natural gas and your task force. Can you tell us a little bit about what that initiative is all about and why is it important to you specifically and and what are your hopes to accomplish? Thanks, Kim. I could talk about that for quite a while. but (laughs) Really... Natural gas, if you look at what's gone on in the state for the last several years with oil prices being high, natural gas prices being low, there was a lot of benefit that could be achieved by increasing use of natural gas, and that's one of the things that first motivated me to get into this area. Of course, now that oil prices have come down, there may be even more emphasis on needing to increase markets for natural gas. If we can get natural gas 
prices up a little bit higher and people will start drilling for gas, that would be a big benefit for the economy, particularly in South Texas, if we can go back and revisit some of the dry zones and gas zones of the Eagleford and some of the other zones down there. But besides the obvious economic benefits to the state and to the oil and gas industry in Texas, there are some other real benefits for using natural gas. A lot of folks got interested in it in the first place because of the environmental benefits of burning natural gas, particularly opposed to diesel. Other folks got interested in it because if you're running a lot of miles a year in a vehicle, natural gas is cheaper than gas and especially cheaper than diesel. Mm -hmm. So there's those benefits. Also... If you want to look at it from an overall geopolitical worldwide viewpoint, 70 some percent of the oil and ga- of petroleum that's used in the United States is used for transportation, cars and trucks. Mm-hmm. And if we want to be totally energy independent in North America, we could do that by switching a significant portion of that transportation fuel usage from petroleum oil-based to gas-based fuel. So what do you think we need to do to try to help speed this process up, or is there any recommendations you may have of what we as a community need to do to try to make this happen? I think one of the things that people need to do is just realize that it is an option and it's a viable option in some circumstances. I mean, if you have a vehicle that you're driving 40 or 50,000 miles a year as a delivery vehicle or if you're out in the oil patch somewhere, then it probably makes sense to look at it. Now, honestly, if you have a car, you drive eight or 9,000 miles a year, the initial capital conversion cost probably isn't worth it. Okay. I would also add in that if anyone's interested, if you have, you know, if you own a gas station or you own a fleet and you're looking at that as being a viable option to go to one of the workshops that the commission puts on and that Commissioner Porty puts on, because that's really the first step in figuring out whether it's viable and for you. And there's also grant programs out there, the TERP funding that's out there that will allow you to get, if not some upfront money, a grant back after you are up and running with your either conversion or with building out a filling station for natural gas at your existing filling station that you own. So is there a link from the Railroad Commission website? We do have a spot on our website. It's under the AFRED division, which stands for Alternative Fuels. That will link to information on on the grants that uh, we help TCEQ administer for them but off the TERP program. And there is some legislation that has been introduced for this legislative session that will actually increase the amount of money that's already collected for TERP grants but hasn't been allocated to them in the past and trying to make sure that, you know, we've had a big push in the state the last couple of years for transparency and make sure that, Money and funds are actually being used for what they were raised for rather than just going into the fund balance. And there's some legislation pushing that in this area that should have even more 
funds available for grants in natural gas vehicles than than have been in the past few and, years. And there's been a lot of investment in the Fort Worth area and the Dallas area, some in Houston and a lot in West Texas. But so we we're still looking up. for growth in the Central Texas, South Texas area. An investment. Mm-hmm. Is there an upcoming seminar that our listeners can go to, or do you have one coming up on a seminar on natural gas anytime soon that you're aware of? Or I honestly do not remember the schedule. I think we've got some scheduled perhaps in late March, but I would encourage them to look at the website to see the date. I do not have that in my mind. And what is that website that our listeners can go to? Railroadcommission.com, rrc.com. And then you can just click on the, with the link for AFRED. Yes. And you also, though, they can also visit your personal website or your Facebook page will also usually is pretty good about listing things that you're up to and where you're going. Same thing with Steer. So we do encourage our listeners to go and like their Facebook pages because it keeps you in touch with what Steer is up to as well as what Commissioner David Porter is up to as well. In your crystal ball, taking a look at what's going to happen in the next few years, legislature is in session from your perspective now, your perspective. What is it that you'd like to see happen this next year, if anything? And I'll put that if anything in there. <laughs> is there anything that uh, positive that from your perspective in the commission you think you'd like to see that would be beneficial for the Texans? This legislative session certainly got a little more difficult the last few months from the viewpoint that uh, oil price drop, mm-hmm. oil being such a major part of the fabric of the economic vitality of this state. A good deal of the state revenue comes from the oil and gas industry. Now, it's not all drying up, but it's not near as bountiful as was last session and going to be down a little bit from earlier thought. So that that certainly makes things a little more tight. People have to be a little, little more conservative, a little more cognizant of what what they're talking well, I was about thinking doing our so audience I, is kind of a lot of the people who listen to this show are obviously really interested in that mm-hmm. and i was just thinking you might you know, make them aware of some things that are going to be out there that they might want to be aware of and be supportive of hopefully some of the initiatives that come out are promoting natural gas because it's beneficial to not just the business but it clean it, it burns cleaner for the environment so hopefully we we will see some initiatives or policies coming down on that area. And there are a number of things that have been proposed or being proposed, and I don't think all the legislation has been introduced in that area yet as far as promoting natural gas. I know Lieutenant Governor Patrick is making that a sizable portion of his legislative agenda as far as encouraging the fleet for the state of Texas to burn more natural gas vehicles, and especially over the next several years as we phase out existing cars and bring in new vehicles to have a much higher percentage of those run on natural and gas. Texas is poised to be in a very good position with natural gas. Yes. Mm-hmm. they got lots of it. <laughs> we do. Yeah, we do. The figures from the EIA, which is the federal government's energy information agency, projects that over the next 
between 2012 and 2040 that uh, natural gas production in the U.S. will increase by 56%, but natural gas usage is only projected to raise by 23%. So we've got a lot of natural gas that we can do things if with. If we can like, just figure out how to utilize it. Like export it and mm-hmm. utilize it for transportation fuel and perhaps even further energize the chemical and business as far as using it for the feedstock too. Well, and that's what people forget a lot about the Eagle Ford is that it got its start as an oil play, but it is called the prolific play because it's got three distinct windows, like really only one other shale play in the United States. There is an oil window, there is a wet gas window, and there is a predominant dry gas window further to the south. Well, we uh, thank all of you for being here with us today. Haley Curry from STEER, South Texas Energy and Economic Roundtable, and certainly Commissioner of the Texas Railroad Commission, David Porter. David, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank and you. any last comments, uh, Ms. Kim? Well, I do have some exciting news. We have signed a partnership with the Corpus Christi Ice Race, which is a hockey team in Corpus. And we are scheduled to have a pre-game mixer on March 13th in which all of our Shell partners, as well as a lot of guests from Corpus Christi, will be in attendance. And so we're really very excited about that. And we encourage our listeners to go to our shellmag.com and inquire. I was just getting ready to to ask you that. How do they get in touch with you, Kim? They can go to our website, which is Shell, S-H-A-L-E, MagMag.com, or they can certainly go to our Facebook and message us there as well and like our Facebook page, please. All right. Kim Bellato, publisher and CEO of the Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine, thank you for being here. Commissioner thank you. Porter. And uh, Haley Curry, thank you for being here today. Happy to be here. And thank you for listening in tonight. We appreciate it very much. We'll be back next week with more information from In the Oil Patch. I'm Roy Holly. Have a good week. So long. You've been listening to In the Oil Patch with Roy Holly and Kim Bellato. Heard Saturday nights from 10 to 10.30 p.m. on News Talk 550 KTSA. Brought to you by Shale Magazine and Steer.